And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you, friends, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. All right, friends, I think if you listen to my episodes of Startup Hustle by now, you know that I love, 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 love talking about funding, and I love, 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 love talking to thought leaders in the space. Today, we have a guest, Chandra Jacobs, Community Engagement Officer for DreamSpring, and we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, I promise. But we're going to be talking about funding and how we engage communities who have been historically excluded and in that process. And how do we how do we do money equitably? So, Chandra, welcome to the show. We are so glad to have you. I'm so excited for this conversation. Hi, Lauren. It's so wonderful to be here. And I'm so excited to have this discussion today. I know it's going to be so good. So let's hop right into it. And I'm just going to I'm going to ask you the question. Here it comes. Tell us about your journey, Chandra. So uh, my journey started, I am from Port Arthur, Texas, small town, about an hour and a half outside of Houston. And I really just wanted to get out. <laughs> so I went to college at uh, HBCU, Prairie View A&M University, and did not know what I wanted to be. Um, tried to figure that out throughout college and just stumbled upon going into a nonprofit space. And I found that I genuinely like helping people. Like that is what I love to do. And I've been doing that for a little over five years now. And I've been with DreamSpring about two years. And I found this space of helping people, but also providing financing and also giving them tools to help grow their business. So I have just been so grateful to be a part of this organization and just finding my footing and just finding a space where I fit in. And, and it's been wonderful. Well, so that that's absolutely fantastic. What I think strikes me most about your story is the fact that you it sounds like I'm checking my understanding here. It sounds like you find a lot of personal empowerment and joy, as you said, not just in helping people, but really you're helping people help themselves. Right. You know, the, the, the parable, like if you teach a man to fish, uh, that's how, right. that's how you enact change, but you teach exactly. people to, to fish for themselves. So talk to us a little bit about how DreamSpring does that. So, DreamSpring is a CDFI. I know a lot of people are not really uh, aware of what a CDFI is. So it's Community Development Funding Institution. So we're a nonprofit organization with a mission. And our mission is to give access to business credit, provide loans, and enable underserved entrepreneurs. So we meet people where they are. Sometimes people have amazing ideas of how they want their business to grow 
but don't know where to start. And for those people, that's where DreamSpring comes in. We're here to help them start that and grow that and make their dreams become a reality. Well, I, I think that's the thing. A lot of entrepreneurship is about dreams. We talk about that on the show a lot. Like the fact that as entrepreneurs, we're problem solvers, but we always dream of of what is possible. And that's what I love about entrepreneurs. Now, I want to, I'm very curious because there, there's a distinction between a CDFI and a more traditional financial institution, like a bank or a credit union or something like that. So I want to, I want to kind of start with the 10,000 foot view. Why go to a CDFI over a more traditional financial institution? So I think that sometimes it's daunting for some entrepreneurs to go to a traditional bank um, because you think, oh, I have to be been put, been pinned up and ready. But with a CDFI, like I stated, it's more meat the person where they are. And if you're not as buttoned up and polished and you need a little bit more polishing, that's where we come in and we can help polish you. That's how I do my role as an engagement officer for by providing technical assistance, by providing that those steps and those nuances to get you ready for the traditional banks, because they can be a little bit stricter with the rules and regulations that they have to do. Whereas with the CDFI, we can work with you and give you that extra step to be able to get that financing and then be able to pass you along to the traditional banks because they're our partners as well. They're here to help, but we're here to start you and get, because we have a priority of startups. For sure. And and so CDFI is one of the things that I know about CDFIs is they tend to serve socioeconomically in, in socioeconomically disadvantaged areas, and they tend to support historically marginalized founders and small business owners and entrepreneurs. And that it's exactly as you say, like if you come from a background in or an environment where you've never had a strong relationship with your banker, mm-hmm. if you come from an or from a, a background where maybe you didn't talk about business around the the dining room table when you had dinner every night you know there's a lot of knowledge transfer that has to happen between the community and these these financial institutions and the entrepreneur before you can even start talking about a loan right because you have to have all of this data and you have to have credit history and what happens if maybe you don't have great credit history how do you establish that when no one will give you a chance and so CDFIs are kind of, or at least my understanding of CDFIs, the CDFIs are absolutely designed to come in, bridge those gaps. How do we get people, as you said, how do we get people ready for traditional financing methods? And wow. how do we teach them the vernacular, give them the education that they need in order to, to do so compliantly, efficiently? And, yeah. and really, it, it speaks to the long-term financial health of these entrepreneurs that you're serving. How do we get them exactly. started with a strong foundation? Exactly. Right? And you, you, you got it right nail on the head because you were saying, you, you, you know, I think I got it, but no, you have it exactly right. Okay, good. That is what, yes. we're, <laughs> that's what we're here to do. Okay. Well, so, so talk to us. I, what I would love to hear now, do you have any stories that you can share of entrepreneurs okay. that you were able to help? I mean, you, you are the community engagement officer. So I yes. feel as though maybe you engage with the community. You talk know, to us I about a little bit. Yeah. Just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit, like right there. Uh, so tell us what are your, what are your customers, your clients saying? Okay. So one thing I can say is that not 
not only I am the community engagement officer now, but I was previously a loan officer. So I was able to actually work with people one-on-one. And my favorite story is of a client. Her name is Taylor Simone. She has this amazing business, Touch and Skin. And she was doing esthetician and massages during the pandemic. And you know, that was terrible. She had to pivot. And she says she dressed up in an outfit that was similar to the man on the moon (laughs) to make sure that she would go to people's homes and be able to because you still needed that 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 touch that feel and you know people wanted to still have these services in the midst of a pandemic and she was able to take a, a, a small business loan from us and grow her business she started with a small space and she was able to grow and then she's able to also employ people and get more people on her team and we were able to take a tour of her facility and seeing how much she's grown and she was able to use funding to get pedicure spas it's one of the the best stories that I have because she was actually my client and I saw how it impacted her life and so it was amazing well, that's really cool. And I, I think, I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of founders out there who I, I think we all know that the pandemic threw so many of us for a loop right. and that we had to stay agile and we had to like, it went from how do we you know get more sales to how do we survive? Because most right. small business owners and entrepreneurs, they don't have a lot of runway. You know, exactly. they've got maybe three months if they're lucky to, and so, and I mean, the pandemic stretched along lot, a lot longer right. than a that. Long and the economic time. ramifications stretched on longer than that. Exactly. So, so having organizations that could step in and help not, I, what I love about that story is not only did you help her bridge that gap, which was very necessary, but then she was able to turn that into future growth, you know, exactly. and I just, I think that that's really cool that when we talk about access to capital, that's what we talk. I can't tell you how many founders I talk to, and I'm sure that you get this a lot, Chandra, but like, there are so many founders out there who are like, I talked to some financial institution and they told me, come to me when you're further along. And it's one of those things where it's like, what you don't understand is we're not going to get further along. Right. You, you're not telling me how get to get some there. kind of capital. Like, right. and, and we have to have money to make this work. Right. And and there are so few institutions out there that are willing and able. I mean, I, I do understand that often their backs are against a wall as well because they have yeah. stakeholders to keep, to answer to. But there are so few institutions out there that are ready to take risks or able right. to take risks or able you know? to take the risk. Yes, yeah. definitely. So, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a tif- it's a tough situation all the way around. It is. So I, I love that you shared a customer story. One of the things that I am really, really interested in is the process. Can you talk yes. to us about like, give us some tips or tell us how your clients engage with you um, when they come to you, what are they asking for and how specifically can you help them? So, I, it could be from someone who just needs help with the business plan from just inception all the way to somebody that could be in business for years. I can take time with them to just understand exactly what their needs are because sometimes capital is not necessarily the answer. Sometimes the answer may be you need the resources or you need just a better understanding of how to grow and scale your business. You may be able to bootstrap it yourself and just figure out how to tweak it. But if you know you need the capital, we can see exactly how we can get you to that that point. And it depends on where you are and how your business is going and just getting that understanding. That's where we can reach them. 
Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think it's it's really important to note is that when you are working with historically marginalized communities, one of the really we talk about the growth of generational wealth, right? Right. right. We like we talk about that on Startup Hustle. I talk about that around Innovate Her KC. But I, I want to kind of set the stage here. The fact is. If you have, if your family has not owned property, has not accumulated assets, has not been able to because yeah. of systemic barriers that they experienced along the way, if you are dealing with that, what happens is an exponential gap starts to build because right. as generations amass more and, and historically, we would see whole families just over generations build up all of this wealth. And it all kind of started with, do you own your house? Or right. do you do you own your, your own business? Or like these things that we kind of attach to material excess, do you have them? And in historically marginalized communities, the, the answer is usually no. no. <laughs> and if you right. don't have a strong foundation to build on, you build nothing. Right. <laughs> and, and so that we're kind of sitting at a time right now where we're at least turning our attention to this general generational wealth generational problem, the wealth. equity gaps that come around as a result of that. But one of the things that I love about CDFIs and community-based banking institutions is the fact that when you ha- when you fund a small business owner in a historically marginalized community, that money, as it starts to grow, almost immediately goes back into that community exactly from taxes exactly. from employment from you know services and goods that were maybe being offered ge- where they have not been offered geographically like you know are you are you starting up a grocery store in a in a food desert you know things like that right and so there's a lot of power in getting in really really early stage and helping these entrepreneurs and small business owners grow their businesses right so i want to talk to you about the community lens how how have you seen the ripple effects of dream spring and the funding that you offer impact whole communities and neighborhoods yes um it's it's crazy we we've done these amazing client stories and you're exactly right the funding that we give, it's a direct impact in this and to one family. And then that also impacts the community around them. And you see that that trickle down effect of, OK, well, this community is able to provide the funds. We have different farmers and, you know, they're able to provide food. I, I actually went to um, take a tour with a facility in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they only had one grocery store within the north side of that community. And you see that impact of how just this helps because they were they discuss also the obesity rates change. Because yeah. if you don't have the access to a grocery store, your obesity rates change, the health changes, the age of people, the the, the average death changes. These are impacts that are that are concrete that you see and if you make those changes. So I know at DreamSpring, we have funded so many people and uh, different restaurants and different organizations to ex- definitely extend our impact. So yeah. not just impacting that one person, but saying, okay, well, our um, small business loan was also able to employ people. That's also right. helping your community. Well, saying, I mean- Restaurants I'm employing these based businesses. So if you've done a it, bunch of restaurants, it, that means that you are you are funding the business owner who is then able to trickle down and fund their employees. 
Exactly. Right? And that is what it's all about, making sure that people have a good um, living for themselves and able to, you know, be able to provide for their families and do more. All of those things come into play with the small business loans. And even with us, it's micro loans. It's it, our average size is about 13,000, but 13,000 to someone can make an astonishing oh, impact. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. People I mean, think, I gotta oh, tell you, like, I mean, no. we're, we're just now moving beyond the point where we're like $500. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. That can yeah. do a lot for someone, and especially someone with tenacity. And, yeah. you know, we have these clients that have this tenacity and this grind of just saying that hustle mentality of saying, I could turn that 500 into more. And then we give you more. Once you pay that back, then we can keep it going until you grow. And then we scale you to a million dollar business. That's the goal is to get you to that space. Yeah, exactly. Well, so one of the things that I, I do want to ask you, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about trust because um, something that I have found and I, I like, this is totally anecdotal. I have no like data to back me up, but like something that I have found <laughs> and noticed is that historically marginalized communities, and, and let's just be real here, black and brown communities is typically what we're talking about when we're, I mean, I, you know, sometimes when I speak about it, I'm like, women, and you know, marginalized peoples, but right now I'm talking about black and brown communities. I want to be very abundantly clear. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I have noticed is that there's, there's sometimes a, a historic sense of very well-earned mistrust yes. in institutions. You know, I mean, there's, we, we've talked on the show about the fact that in black and brown communities, often there's a distrust of the medical community because think, right. think and think about why, like historically, historically the medical community has exploited black and brown people. And we see that. So it is well-earned mistrust. Right. It's still going on to this day with the a black yeah. maternity rate of mothers. Like it's crazy. Exactly. So, so yeah. we're going to go ahead. We're going to accept that as fact. The data prove it proves it time and time again, and and the same can be said around financial institutions. I mean, financial institutions right. have not historically been known to be super supportive of black and redlining communities. Like <laughs> yes. exactly, like infrastructure. Yes. This is what we talk about when we talk about systemic oppression. That's yes. what it is. That it, it's it happened then. It's happening now, and so you're actually representing a, a admittedly different model, but still a financial institution in communities that are might be unfamiliar or even like distrustful. So I want to talk right. to you about that. Like I know that Dream Spring does a really amazing job as you said meeting your people where they are. But talk right. to us about how you built trust within the communities that you serve. So we found, and I have a colleague, Megan, that she's in Colorado. I'm in Texas, but we cover a large span. What yeah. we learned is trust is imperative. And it's also built, being a part of the community. I am so heavily involved in the community around me. And when people see you consistently and you build that trust by actually being there, a lot of the times people drop the ball by not answering calls or emails or being available or accessible or even being friendly. Let's just be honest. Um, you have to show yourself friendly and being available to say, I can help you and actually following through with that. And that's something that I pride myself on with DreamSpring. They get, allow me that space to be available to people. And I, I make sure that, you know, when I do different workshops or panels and I give my information that I'm available to every person there and just tell them like what we can do and how we can help. And also being transparent and saying, I may not be able to help. That's yeah. another thing in trust. I think people will promise you things and promise the community things that they know that they can't do, right? Yeah. If you can be transparent and say, hey, 
I may not be able to do that, but I will figure out how I can get you help. And that is a part of that trust is bringing them to people who can help or providing them with the resources that they need, even if you can't and say, well, Dream Spring did help. They did try their best and yeah. they got me to someone that could help me. And yeah. that's, I think that's how you build the best trust with people. You know what I love about every single thing that you just said? Like I, as you're speaking, I was just like that, that was the strategy with Innovate Her, my organization. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, look, you know, I know that if, if we're going to be an inclusive organization and that's what we're going to champion, like. I have to show up. I have to build trust with the with these human beings who mm. might not like they look at me and I I don't look think and act like them and like I, you know I I've, I've got to earn this and like right. I I think that what you said is absolutely true. People people need a champion and people need someone that they can they can turn to and as long as you just keep doing that work and keep showing up you it's can't fascinating. go wrong you know you like can't. even and, and I've like I've screwed up many times on the journey I know I have we but, all do <laughs> yeah but like the intention is there and at the very least people know that I'm going to give it my best shot right exactly and I feel like that's that's kind of dream springs ethos as well like you're going right. to give it your best shot we're going to do everything we can to help you and get you positioned for success Exactly. Definitely. That is the goal. And I love the organization for that. They are always making sure that we show up for people and we do everything we can for our clients. Well, I I adore that. And of course, I tend to love organizations that are all about building that trust and building relationships around teams. And one of those companies that I love is FullScale. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Head to FullScale.io to learn more. Friends, we are here today and we are ta- we're talking about Dream Spring. We're talking about funding. We're talking to- we're talking to Chandra Jacobs, community engagement officer for Dream Spring. And we've we've kind of talked about the, through the funding through the community lens, through the community develop my financial institution, community development financial institution. I am really, really <laughs> it is a lot. that you have changed it to CDFI. That's a lot. <laughs> hey, we, we mess it up too. And I work here, so I promise. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know. That does make me feel just a scotch better, like that much. <laughs> uh, but a CDFI, uh, that's what Dream Spring is. And I have to ask you so I feel like maybe the name was inspired by what you hope to do, which is spring entrepreneurs and small business owners into their dreams. Is that yes. accurate? <laughs> that is very accurate. That is very accurate. And that's what we're doing every day is making sure that people's dreams come true. I, I recently was at an event and they they were like, oh, we can't necessarily fund somebody if they haven't worked in this space. And we're like, it's a lot of people that have amazing ideas and they may have not done it before, but it's their dream. So that's what our goal is to just bring their dreams and get them to that point where they can start their business, be an entrepreneur and grow and scale and do amazing things for themselves and their community and their families. Generational wealth is always the key. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, so CDFIs, I and I, I'm I'm gonna make a statement, and I don't know how accurate it is, but we're we're gonna see. We're gonna we're we're gonna work through it together, Chandra. So CDFIs, okay. I believe they tend to be fairly geographically limited. Like they they tend to serve the neighborhoods and the zip codes around them. Is that is that an accurate statement? Can, or no. can, can you find CDFIs that serve nationwide or serve internationally? Definitely. Okay. So, so we're, yeah, so we we started in New Mexico, but we're in 27 states, and there are multiple different CDFIs. Some are nationwide, some are smaller, just dependent on their organization. But we've okay. been going since 1994, and we serve the whole state. I am a part of everything. I'm located in Texas, so I've traveled all around. We serve everyone in the state. Okay. Well, so I love that. And I think like the, the larger point that I wanted to make was, Hey friends, if you are interested in starting a business, if you are, if you have that great business idea, but you're not sure where to start, uh, usually you need to have a little bit, at least a little bit of money to put your business idea together. Um, definitely check into CDFIs and see, see which ones will work for you. I encourage you if you're in the service area, reach out to dreams, dream spring, but, but Chandra, what I want to ask you is for the founders out there who might be thinking of alternative ways to find funding or figuring out how to get started on their business journey, what are some tips that you can give them? Like, what do you need to see at DreamSpring for you to be able to help an aspiring entrepreneur or a small business owner? So like first things first, business plan. Have your plan together and ready and available to show exactly what you're doing. It, I think people think, oh, I've been doing it so long. This is what I do. No, write that out. That's the first thing. And then also show, hey, this is um, what it takes to build it. Think about the people that sell your product or who are in the same uh, space with you. Because we do want to know, like, okay, how competitive is it? Is this a space we want to be a part of? And depending on the space, we may not be able to help if it's something to do with um, smoking or anything like that. We can't necessarily help. I mean, um, I, I feel like that makes sense. <laughs> but, you know, that's the, a little caveat. We try to help everyone. And yeah. I do know that that's a huge space, but we can't necessarily lend there. Sure. But also make sure that you have your financials in order. Have, even we talk about traditional banks and sometimes being afraid of it. But we also have to think about you have to have a bank account and, and go to those banks and make sure you have steady finances and, you know, get those things together in an order and have your taxes done. That's also a part of it. Those are the things that we want you to have together so we can just look at everything because these things are needed to be able to determine if we're able to lend. Yeah, for sure. So what when when entrepreneurs are smart, when, when they come to you and you say, we want you to have a business plan, like a very clear. So, so you talked about competitors, like you're going to want to know, have a pretty good grasp of what your competitors are up to. If you have competitors, how you are, how you're different. Um, you know, when we're talking about financials, you know, yeah, you definitely want to make sure that you have your tax returns available and gosh, hopefully you have been paying your, uh, legally required amount. No of one wants to owe the IRS. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, cross our fingers. Uh, but you know, what are, so, so when we're talking about financials, definitely have that available. What are some other things that you would need to have? You're going to ha- need to have bank statements. Um, so in order to get a bank account, unless you're doing a DBA account, I believe you have to have, um, your, your EIN or your federal tax ID yes. number. So you're going to want to have that. Right. <laughs> 
you know, Definitely. you're going to want to set it up like, like, like a real live business. Cause that's what you're trying to get to. Right. So any, any other, any other tips, like who should they be reaching out to? That's a good question. So your SBA, your score. I think people don't know. I've had people pay for resources and these resources are free. They yeah. are out there and available to you. They have all of these programs to help start your business. If you go to your local SBDC, so that's your small business development a corporation, they are there to be able to assist just the first steps. And they have things like bookkeeping and knowing how to do your accounting. They have all these different programs and even just search in your area, like small business development in your city. So if you're in Kansas City, put that in and you can get a myriad of different people who actually do those things. I tell people that we have Google and I think that we forget Google is there and it is so many different things and put free in there because yeah. a lot of people are given a lot of services for free to help you uh, get your business because you could even ask chat, chat AI. I love chat AI. Can't rely <laughs> on it too heavily, but just sure. say, you know, what are the top things that I need to start a business, but help me out. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's great. No, I, no, we actually, we actually like chat, chat GPT around here. So we're, we're, right. we're right. I, I use it sometimes. I, don't tell anybody I told you this, but sometimes I use it to create social media posts when I'm like super okay. tired and just don't feel like it. Like I'll put it in, I, I tweak it. Like I yeah, mean, you, you, you add a little personalization way. to it, but yeah, I'll say, give me like, some good emojis. Structure. Somebody like point me in a direction because I don't even, I'm so tired. I don't know where to go. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Like, totally understand. So utilize the free tools out there. And you, you say, so you mentioned score mentors. Um, I actually yes. work with them periodically. I love that oh, organization. Awesome. Yeah. But they offer free one-on-one mentoring services to to folks who are looking to start a business um yes. you know here in the kansas city area we have casey source link and they have a, a really impressive resource rail where it kind of lists out all of the nonprofits and entrepreneurial support organizations that you can go to for specific right. help in, in launching scaling building ex- like everything from inception to exit they're there right. to, to help you out so there are definitely a lot of resources out there that you can avail yourself of yes um, it is yeah so thank you for that so i'm curious and i and i i'm aware that you might not be able to share some of this but i am curious about dream springs future so you mentioned the fact that like did you say you were in 22 different markets or 22 different 20, cities? 27 states and we're 27 on approaching states. 28 soon and the goal is to get to 50 and be nationwide that is our goal for next you, year do you have any dreams for international expansion do you know, you know what I, I'm like, not as a 50 lady, but let's get up to our 50. But I, I've actually met with somebody who had an amazing product from overseas. And I was like, Oh, I would love to do that because there are so many different people that you want to be able to help and grow. And it would be amazing. Yeah, that would be really cool. And well, yeah. and I mean, honestly, like in certain markets, one of the things that I love is that like $5 wouldn't go very far here, but there are markets right, but- where $5 would be like, okay, I'm rich now. <laughs> right. <laughs> That was all I needed. That's all, right, all maybe, I needed. With inflation, maybe five dollars is a little maybe. Generous, maybe it's fifty. Still, you know. <laughs> like point being, like it's not going to take quite as much capital to get a, a business right. position. Right. Uh, so that could be really, really interesting. Well, so how about you? What are you? You've been with this organization for a little while now, and you're, you're you know, what? What are your future plans? You know what? I I found a space. I actually love what I do. I never thought I'd get here. You know, we have this ideal like, oh, I just want to work a good job. But the impact 
And I just see myself growing in this role and just moving forward. Engagement has been amazing and being able to touch people's lives. Even in my personal life, I love to support small businesses. I tell people all the time, you know, if you can try to go small because you're impacting somebody's life, someone that they're, they're going to their household and helping build. So I love what I do. And I just see myself growing more in this role and representing DreamSpring for years to come. I love that. Do you have any dream collaborations or partnerships uh, that you would ever want to work with? I mean, you are the community engagement person, so I'm going to assume that you have a pretty good handle on what what cool things are out there. You know, I really have been doing a great job with connecting with so many people and I just see the, you know what, when you have these genuine relationships with organizations, it just becomes more fruitful and people just introduce me. So I'm just open to whatever is out there because I know that what what our mission is and what we represent is going to just grow. And I'm just so excited. No matter what room I get in, I'm always available to just spread exactly what we do here at DreamSpring and what CDFIs do in general, just not us, but across the board of how we're helping and, and who we're serving, you know? Do you come up against people? Well, I'm, I'm sure that you do, but do you come up against people who don't know what a CDFI is and like, you have to kind of explain them and they're just like, that sounds really weird. Right. And just a little bit about that. (laughs) Right. Um, I always tell people I have to have an elevator pitch about CDFIs. You know, we are a community development funding institution. We're here to help the underserved markets and I'm here to engage and come and give you that assistance to help your small business grow. Oh, I have my... (laughs) my speech ready because yeah, you, people are like, like, what? you just pulled it right out of that back pocket there you were like here you go <laughs> I'm ready to explain what I do every day and and I love that you know people are like oh I wish I knew that this was available so many people have done businesses and they didn't even know that we had organizations such as mine that were available to them so once I tell them and I'm like well I know you know someone if you've already became successful help the next person help yeah. them get to that next step and I know you know someone one that may not be ready for the traditional side, but they know they may need a little bit more help, come to us. We'll be able to get you to that next step. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, kind of about the whole landscape. So I feel like the the murder of George Floyd, I feel like that kicked off what had been simmering under the or. surface of America, and like sometimes not even under the surface, like very, right. like very outrightly wrong and hostile. But right. like, there was something simmering in the air right. of America, and the murder of George, the it, it kicked off a lot of introspection, a lot of fighting. Like it was, I feel like it was a very transformative moment in our history, definitely, because it got us thinking about, or at least it got many people who had never had to think about privilege and inequity and systemic oppression and, you know, uh, injustice. Like it, no, so many people had never had to think about that. And then all of a sudden they were being forced to think about that in their face every day. Well, and, and it, and I personally, like that actually, it, it exhilarated me, but like, I understand that it was a, it was a big change for a lot of people. And so I think yes. that one of the things that came out of that, that I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, although I would never say that the murder of anybody is a good thing, right. but, um, perspectives, perspective came out of it. Right. Exactly. Right. Like people were suddenly examining things that they had never examined never, before. Right. And we started having these conversations about, right. uh, not, not just, um, 
not just, you know, violence, but we were talking about very like cerebral philosophical things. And we were talking right. about access to capital and wage gaps and inequities right. in, in every yeah. level of everything that we do. And so I feel like CDFIs are having a moment now, like this is the time. CDFIs tend to serve under historically underserved communities. That is their purpose. That is their why. So are you finding that over the course of time, are you getting less pushback? Are you getting people who are more willing to discuss these ideas and discuss your, your mission and your purpose? Are you seeing more CDFIs spring up? Like, have we kicked into a... A new era. A new era. Yeah, that's what I Yes. That was the perfect way to put it. Right. It (laughs) is. a long time to get there. (laughs) But I got you. I'm here for you. But no, it it is a definite era. I mean, we've all, a lot of the CDFIs have been around for years. And I think that it did kick off a different discussion, definitely, after that happened. And then um, I just think also with technology and then PPP happened after the pandemic. I think those things aligned at the same time because George Floyd, the pandemic, everything just combusted. All came together at the same time. All came together. Right. (laughs) And And I'm like, now we have to put it back together, but we have to do it better. And let's piece it together. Stronger, right? And we have to do it like non-racistly and not misogynistically, and like right. It's just, and that's the thing. We're here, and we shouldn't have to be here, honestly. But we do have to be here. You're an answer to a very real data-driven problem, (laughs) and it's going to take so long for us to really transform our country and the culture and the thought process because some people don't understand why we're needed and they don't they don't have the statistics to show them like this is something that's been happening and we're here to dismantle it and that's what we're here to do I almost you know where my mind went with with, with all of this is like Pleasantville like you live in this black and white yeah. space and then you start seeing color maybe I've aged myself but it was one of my favorite no movies. that it, it is incidentally <laughs> uh so apparently you and I are around the same age because I've seen Pleasantville, Pleasantville many times but one of the things that's really impactful about it is like you have you yeah. have you have a whole town of people. I'm not giving away any spoilers. It's right there on oh, the bat. Like you're right. We are kind of giving. <laughs> but you know, in Ple- in Pleasantville, like you have people who are very much accustomed to one way of life, and then all of a sudden, yeah. once they're exposed to something else, there's no going back. Kind of no. deal. <laughs> exactly. And that's where we're at Such right a now. Like great point are... though. It's poignant about that. You yeah. There's no turning back, but do you want to turn back? You don't right. want to look at now it at that, that lens see. anymore. Now that you're here, let's move forward and let's grow from here. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I, I think I love that. And I, I am actually really, really excited. Um, so because I'm about to ask you the human question. Okay. And I I found a good one. Um, okay. Okay. So first things first. Um, I don't actually know this. Do you have children? I have two, six and 11 year old. Okay. So that I'm going to make this specific to your two kids. Okay. If you could teach only one thing to your two children, what would that be? Oh, one thing. Really? It is this component of finance. And yeah. honestly, I like if I can just really teach like a lesson because what I don't want them to do is be in debt. I want them to be in such a good space to where 
they can do for their children, my future grandchildren. Mm -hmm. That is something that has been on my mind. And I think that that is the one thing that I want to make sure that my kids go into the world, understanding how to do their finances and how to grow and, and, and be able to be wealthy. And that's just one less stress. We have a lot of stresses, but one of them shouldn't be money. I like that. Well, and I love the fact that there's such a through line from what you do to what you want to, the wisdom you want to impart to your, like you're living your purpose, girl. (laughs) I love that. If you can do it. I'm so happy that I can. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, Chandra, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It has been, it's been fun. I've gotten really passionate at points, like apologies that I was throwing at my emotion at you, but I had fun. (laughs) I had fun too. Good. Uh, So another way that you can have fun, my friends, you can actually get the burden of trying to find qualified tech talent off your own plate. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io or check the link in the show notes. And friends, I'm going to, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but my, I, I always want to say this at the end of a show. So one of the things that we want from you our fabulous listeners. We want your feedback. We This is a show by founders for founders. We want to know what topics you want us to cover. We want to know what guests you want to hear from. So I'm going to ask you if you have a, a great idea for us burning a hole in your back pocket, take it out, show it to the air, hand it on over to us. You can go to startuphustle.xyz. Also check the show notes for that link. Or you can hit us up on social. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, TikTok. Look for us under Startup Hustle or Startup Hustle Podcast. But let us know what you want to hear because that's what we want to deliver to you. We are so, so grateful that you come back to us week after week and listen to us share founder stories from across the world. And we're very grateful to you for that. We will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.